Welcome back in listeners to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings. We are bringing you a exclusive today. We have the inside track on a brand new musical that is premiering in Texas later in July, but then making its way up here to the Big Apple. And we have two of its creators. We have the director, Brian Baldwin, and the co-book writer and composer, Ray Hosey. Both are involved with the show Finding Helena, which is playing July 30th, two shows at 2.30 and 6.30 p.m. at the Jewish Community Center in San Antonio, Texas. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting FindingHelenaMusical.com. So with that, let's go ahead and bring on our guest today, Ryan Ray. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Audio, video, it's all wonderful. (laughs) We're doing it all today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I am so excited to learn more about this show. Premiering in Texas and making its way up here. This is incredible. And the team that you have assembled, I mean, already starting with the two of you is phenomenal. But let's go ahead and start, if we could, by having you two tell us a little bit about the show. Ray, would you mind kicking us off with that? Oh, not at all. So it's the story set in 1940, Warsaw, and a Nazi officer has been assigned there. And he's the occupation of Poland has already happened. So they're just moving in to do the management details. So this Nazi officer moves his family there. He takes his daughter and she strikes up a relationship with someone she doesn't realize initially he's a Jewish resistance fighter. And they become friends and they become more than friends as he reveals to her the realities of what her family, her Nazi family is up to. She doesn't realize it. And she comes, she's 19 and she comes to the realization of what's going on there as she falls in love with this young man. And eventually they end up running away together. And that's the genesis of the conflict is her relationship and running away. They get separated in the chaos of war and she finds herself in New York City 10 years later wondering if what happened to him. And spoiler alert, he finds her. And that was their plan all along is to go to New York for the land of freedom and opportunity to escape war-torn Poland and they're eventually reunited in New York 10 years later. And I think a very a big, important thing to, to tell is also when they get separated, she's actually pregnant. And, oh, yeah, there's that. And the story is told through a diary found by their daughter. The narrator is the daughter finding the, the mother's diary. Of how her parents came to be. Wow. Oh, my gosh. This story full of twists and turns and... Yeah. It's amazing. It, so, it, it is amazing. And I have to give credit. So my co-writer, Alexandra Conroy, it is her concept. And she worked on it for 10 years before I got involved. She has a degree in theater and has always been in theater as an actress, singer, writer. And I happened to marry her mother. And I was helping. I, I, you know, I've been a writer. My initial career was television writing and scripts and but I'm also a songwriter and composer anyway at one point I moved from just being a guide guidance counselor to actually becoming the co-writer but that beautiful concept 
a brilliant concept, actually, is the credit of Alexandra Conroy, who's the other writer. So going along with that, where did you all come up with the idea for the show? It's absolutely Alex's idea, Alexandra. It's absolutely her idea. She's besides a theater buff and, you know, she's her degrees in theater. She's she grew up in New York going to theater. Her mom was in theater and she loves World War II. She's fascinated by it, always reading about it, complete history buff. But also she's creative and she's a writer. And that's how she she ended up conceiving the story. And of course, she first time she told me the story, I was like, holy cow, that's an incredible idea. And I kind of coached her through the process of how we make these things bigger. And I stayed out of the picture for other than just coaching her along. I had very nothing to do with the writing. But then after 10 years and actually had some ups and downs and readings and productions. And at some point she said she wanted my help as an official co-writer and I was honored and uh, well, it's just, it was amazing. I was honored to accept her invitation and, you know, I'm also a songwriter composer. So I jumped in to do that as well. And it's just been incredible. Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, you can hear the music on the website. We've got every, every two weeks we add a new song just because we don't want to just dump them all out there. But also, it's a lot of work to record and do all these songs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know how much work this was going to be because it would have scared me. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I want to bring you back into the conversation. I want to ask, what has it been like developing Finding Helena? Well, like Ray said, it has a very solid foundation. And the way Alex wrote it, the characters just jump and I read it the first time and then I read it the second time and then I read it the third the fourth and there was always something new that that I was discovering and that in combination with with Ray's music and when you hear it again you're not going to expect the music to sound the way that it does so when I've seen these characters the first the second the third the fourth they were just so complex and to develop each one, it's kind of like just peering into actual lives. And although it's fiction, it, it Alex has written it so historically accurate. And I think that that's important. And developing it is, is it's more an opening of a door for people. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting. So one thing we should say is, you know, it's a rock musical, but I don't know if it was Brian or a musical director who said, you know, it's really a rock opera. And I, I think that's a more accurate description, although there's plenty of scenes and dialogue. It's not like straight opera, but the songs, what we've done, and this is one of Alex's ideas from conception, and she's got great taste in music. The, the idea that, so it's really the Nazis versus the Jews, in that classic sense. And the music for the Nazis is more of the classical style, piano, violin, cello, and not much percussion, which you know is contemporary with the time of the 1930s and 40s. But the music of the Jewish resistance is more rock and upbeat, but powerful. And it's, it's dark, upbeat, but dark. And so as 
the musical progresses, it starts very classically sounding, and then you start to get these rock, this, you know, guitar and drums and bass coming in. And, you know, I think about the the groups, the rock groups of the 70s that, that started combining orchestra with their rock music. And of course, you start thinking about rent and hair and those things where you get that big wall of sound that, that come w- when you put the guitar on 11 and you're just you rocking know, out, rocking out. So there's that combination, man. I mean, it's been, it's fun. It's like, you know, you're writing stuff on piano and for cello and then you're like, okay, hand me the guitar. And you <laughs> literally you crank the fuzz up and, you know, I, I just had so much fun. It's like, and I'm not a good guitarist, but when you're in a studio, it doesn't matter because you can do a thousand takes. So, but just, and cranking power chords and these little leads I wrote. Anyway, it's just, it's exciting, dramatic, and it's been a blast too. Yeah. I love all of that. What is the message or the thought you're hoping that audiences will take away? And Ray, why don't I start with you first on that? It's very clear that, you know, it, nothing. The message is love. Love is the answer. That it's a love story. It's a you know the our 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 little subhead is a love story that crosses enemy lines, mm-hmm. and that's really what it is. And it's about how yeah, love, love triumph triumphs over hate. Period. And love endures. And yeah, very simple. It's a love story, and it, it's a story of not giving up and holding out and finding love. Finding Helena. Finding love. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. Brian, as the director, what about you? What is the message or thought you hope the audience takes away from the show? I think that a very important message is that humanity isn't exactly just black or white. there's a constant gray area and love being the theme also translates that there's different types of love and history has a has a repetitive nature and if we don't hold on to the love we can't see the truth for instance helena belongs to a nazi family and although they're nazis they're human beings and her father loves her whether his ideology is evil or not, his love for her still exists. And his his want to protect her, just like the leaders of, of the, the Jewish resistance love their brotherhood, whether their ideology is winning or not winning in the situation, their love holds them together, just as the Nazis' family holds them together. So the black and white issue of, of what is true or not is overshadowed by the power of what love is and whether that can steer toward evil or good. It's just the overwhelming existence of that love that translates into the different ideology. And that battle that constantly exists, I guess is kind of where they, the, the theme and, and, and the lesson and what the audience have to take away from this production is that above all there is love, but to to achieve that there's there's a constant gray area constant fluctuation of what humanity is i love the way he talks i know i was gonna say i just i love both of those answers are brilliant both of them and it just adds to 
how important a piece like this is for right now. You know, it's, it's so timely. It's so important. And I love that both of your answers speak to part of our humanity that now more than ever needs to be spoken to. My final question for this first part is who do you hope have access to your show? And Brian, if I can start with you on that. Well, I think everyone. Sure, there's adult themes at play and the the story's a bit heavy as far as the, those themes. But I think for young adults, school-age kids, because it's a historical fiction and it's it's very true to, to history itself, I think that everyone should see this. And I talked about the theme of humanity and the lesson learned could be invaluable. Yeah. So I think that everybody um, that, that can at least comprehend the story and the plot and the historical value of, of what's going on, I think is very important for, for, for everyone. Wow. And, you know, it just reminded me of something. So the narrator who starts the story by finding the diary, her mother's diary, she's nine years old. So, you know, it starts with a nine-year-old who's narrating the show. And that brings in exactly what he's talking about is we start to see this incredible story that, you know, is also the story of the Holocaust, but also her mother's story and her father's story. We see it through the eyes of a child to a certain extent. And it's a lot for a child to experience. We even talk about that in the characters, you know, it's like the dad doesn't want his nine-year-old reading this stuff because it's horrific. It's, you know, it's atrocity piled on top of atrocity. In fact, you know, it, it, it's so hard not to get emotional as we were researching this and writing it. It's like, uh, it's very heavy stuff. Sometimes you just have to take a break from it. But it's also, you know, there's a nine-year-old on stage reading this diary about this stuff and her mother's life as it goes from, oh, everything's fine. I'm going to get engaged this summer to, you know, my family are killers and I need to run away. If there's a maturity level high enough to have that conversation, and I think it's great if you if parents have kids at an age that if the child has questions, it opens up a conversation that's important. And rather than watching, you know, a, a documentary on Netflix or something like that, that they wouldn't necessarily have a... a, a attention span to 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 gather what's going on with the music and with the characters in a live setting it opens up that door for 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 questions for a, a younger kid that that i think could be important and lead to a conversation with the parents to talk about certain things and there's there's issues throughout the, the plot that that are available for for a discussion or in a conversation with with your children about humanity in general and decisions and 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 that when I talked about the gray area of, of why people do the things that they do and I, I think that that could be invaluable and all the way up to you know people who may have lived through the Holocaust that are theater goers they they know that their story their story is preserved in a way yeah yeah we meet, we've met a lot of people who are like, yeah, my grandparents were survivors or my 
great aunts, my great uncles were lost family or, you know, half my mother's family or all of my mother's family was wiped out, but her grandmother survived, which is why my wife's here. You know, we've heard it's still alive today and it, it just, it brings a power and undercurrent to it that, you know, we didn't expect when we were doing it. We were just trying to tell a good story and create theater, but it's got all this other stuff that's come into play and it's, it's wonderful and it's rich, but we were just focusing on telling a good story. And I guess that's what happens. second part of our interview we love to change things up and let our listeners get a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more on the personal level and i want to start by asking you to what inspires you what playwrights or composers or shows even have inspired you or some of your favorites you mentioned aaron sorkin who's one of my heroes and i've i've taken it actually i've taken his master class that you can take online which i loved but also you know sondheim and, you know, I've written a lot of scripts. I've written a lot of songs. So I have composers, songwriters, and, you know, most of my heroes are screenwriters and book writers and songwriters and, you know, just very eclectic taste in music. But I love me some classical music man, Oklahoma, Rogers and Hammerstein. It's like, I can't get, I love the sound of music. I love the Little Mermaid, you know. I loved when my my kids were young. I just loved watching The Lion King and Mary Poppins and all those things. But, you know, I like rock, too. And I love that when my kids started listening to Queen, I was like, OK, my job is a dad. <laughs> my kids have such good taste in music. I love if it's good, it's good. If it tells the truth, it's good. I I was talking earlier about cookie cutters in, in theater and I like the story. I like the, the standalone. Um, one of my favorites is Lucy Simon who did the secret garden on Broadway. And I haven't seen much else. I mean, I love that musical to death, but I think the most honest, uh, Steve Martin, I'm a huge fan of Steve Martin, but he can be so funny, but he's, he's so good at telling the truth. And whether it's on stage or in film, I, I just, I like pretend to, to not be pretend. And I think that that's through truth. And I think through all artists telling the truth through emotion and having connection, that's what's most important. That's what inspires me the most is, is and like I said, Lucy Simon's piece was a big thing growing up for me. Puccini's music in, in opera, I'm a huge fan of Puccini. And, and just that emotional connection that sometimes words don't matter as much as that, that connection. And when that connection is bolstered by the truth, and like you said, uh, the mirror of humanity, when art can be that mirror, that's, that's the most important thing. I love that. Great list, both of you. I love those. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? I'll, I I think that because it's it's raw, it's it's 
that ability to tell the truth, that ability to be anything, anytime, anywhere, that, that suspension of, of reality while conveying truth is, is the best part about theater because the people are great because it's, it's a safe place to be human. My favorites, <laughs> you know, I'm a creator. I'm a creative guy. So I'm making stuff up constantly. And the I'm too creative. I start when I get tired of my own lyrics, I start parodying my own songs and make up lyrics about our dogs. The but that moment in when we're writing a scene and you know, they call it song spotting. So when the emotion in the it transcends dialogue, that's when you move to song. And, you know, when it transcends song, you move to dance. And those moments where you have this incredible scene and then it just is so emotional that it inspires, you know, your heart to sing. And that's where the inspiration for the songs comes from because, you know, it's it's an emotion and singing is an emotional thing. And then you start to create the song in that moment. That's just like, you know, I'll just always do this regardless of whether or not I make any money at it because it's so fulfilling, yeah. you know, I'd like to make some money, but, <laughs> but that moment, you know, it's like, I've been a, you know, I've written on thousands of pages of scripts and prose and I've sold some of it, but you know, most of it's practice. But I just love those moments where you go, yeah, I did something there and it nailed it. And, and then somebody else like an actor and a singer bring it to life. And then you see that it really works. That's, uh, I can't even describe the feeling. I love that. Yes, just being able to give life to something, to create something out of nothing. It's well, brilliant. You, know you and your wife do, and, and helping to bring that to life. Yeah, it's, it's very much a part of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. And because I think that that's a val very valid thing you just said without saying it's the community. Yeah. The community. Yeah. It, it, is a space unlike any other. Yeah, and all our friends are theater people. It's like whether they're actors or just fans or they're used to be on Broadway, off-Broadway producers. And it's anywhere you go, whether yeah. you're in Texas or New York. Or yeah, there's a right. huge theater community here. Mm -hmm. And people think Texas, they don't yeah. think about that. But, right. And not just Dallas and Houston, but San Antonio, Austin. And anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> Well, we have arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? So mine is, I was six years old, and I think I was about, yeah, six, because, yeah, we lived on an island off the coast of Georgia because my dad's a marine biologist, so I had this idyllic childhood in the back of a boat, mostly, <laughs> and we had to take a boat, I was six years old, we had to take a boat to the mainland. And, you know, to go grocery shopping, but we went and we saw Mary Poppins, the movie. And it was the first time, well, it was my first time seeing a movie in a theater. And, you know, it was Mary Poppins and Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews and the music. I was just, I just remember being as a six-year-old, I was struck. It was like, holy cow, this is the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And, and, you know, I, as a kid, I saw some amazing things being the son of a marine biologist, lots of whales and dolphins and stuff. But 
I remember, well, when I was seven, that's when I asked my mother for violin lessons. And you know, what seven-year-old says, hey, mom, I want to take violin lessons. There's a few of us out there, but it was, yeah, the the Mary Poppins. And gosh, I still, I watch Mary Poppins now and I'm just like, yeah, it's it's all over again. That is amazing. What about your musical memory? Oh, well. Your favorite? My favorite, I think it was kind of, I, I call it the Lucille Ball moment. I was in the chorus for a production at Rutgers University of Man of La Mancha. And we had a former Tony Award winning, he was a writer, Joseph A. Walker, who wrote The River Niger. And he was a professor there. And he was going to, he brought in all these tickets to, to play Don Quixote. And he fell ill. And because I was, you know, such a theater nerd and I knew every single line. But at that point in time, I was barely, you know, 19, 20 years old. But we had a good hair, makeup, wig team at the university and they d- did me up and I went on and ended up finishing the, the whole run. <laughs> and then I was like, I can do this for a while. So, yeah, that was that was probably like a big moment. And I know like Lucille Ball, because I always wanted my chance. I wanted my chance. And then I got it. And, you know, I, I ran with it. It's kind of propelled my career for most of my adult life. I was going to stay, you know, a zoology major with a theater minor when I started college, but that just changed, I think, you know, moment in the moment, as they say. But I I, got you. (laughs) I love that. That is amazing. Wow. Yeah, he's had quite the career. Yeah, we were just amazing that he ended up, his wife's from here in Texas, in San Antonio, watching her family, some families here, and just amazing that he ended up here. And he actually directed a production. That's how we met. Yeah, yeah. He, he directed a production of West Side Story. And it's just as we were finishing this script, we went and saw West Side Story. And I was just like, who directed this? I want to meet that guy. We did it completely, like they Oklahoma, completely in the raw in a studio space. So, yeah, yeah you and it try was to a- wrap your head around West Side Story in the raw and it was amazing in a studio so yeah it was a bare bones production and and he has very young kids so it's like hey we need to have coffee we need to have coffee and it's like okay and we took like a few months to have coffee and then and then we've been together ever since (laughs) i love it i love it we drink a lot of coffee together yes god bless coffee Thank yeah. you both for sharing those memories. Those were amazing. Yeah. Are there any other projects or productions that either of you have coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug for you? Oh, that, thank you so much. You know, it, for me, I'm like constantly working on several things. I'm also working on a film script right now that we're marketing and a television script, but nothing I can talk about. But, you know, it's, oh, shoot, I need to think. You know, uh, Ken Davenport is our coach. He's a Broadway producer. Currently, he has the Neil Diamond story, Beautiful Noise, on Broadway, and he's bringing Harmony to Broadway this fall. Anyway, I just want to shout out to Ken Davenport. He has been incredible. He is our coach and mentor, helping us through this huge process. And Ken is always saying, hey, always have three projects going because you never know what's going to take. And once you finish something, anyway, so... I'm trying to figure out what my next musical is, and I've got a few different things in the works, but nothing I can talk about right now. So, but I'm excited to 
excited to finish this music sheet music and so i can start working on something else other than that i got nothing well i i have a i have a small internet short series that i've been working on that i'm hoping by the end of the summer we'll be able to launch across various platforms it's a bit of a uh, variety show with puppets so that that's kind of on the on the on the side burner but more importantly right in mid-october before we go to new york uh, there's a huge production called my son's turning five really is that's his birthday yeah. <laughs> that's a, that'll be a production in, in itself i'm sure yeah that's wow fun yeah that's tiago tiago yeah. yeah he's got the cutest kids yeah. I love that. Yes. Well, finally, if our listeners want more information about Finding Helena or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How could they do that? Just go to the website. There's a form where you can put your name and email address in. It goes to straight to my producer and wife. I don't know why I put wife in quotes, but she's, uh, you know, she was an actress and singer and producer in New York for 20 years before moving back home to Texas so she could meet me. Anyway, but go to FindingHelenaMusical.com, put your name and address, or, you know, you want to ask questions or whatever, just use that web form. And and actually, uh, Siobhan, my wife, her address, her email address is at the bottom. So we're easy to find. And it just comes to us. It's not like, you know, we're we're a very small company right now. So it's all us and we'll reply to you immediately. And we might call you. And invite you to dinner. Perfect. Well, Brian, Ray, thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with me. This has been wonderful. And I've loved learning about your show and about both of you. This has been great. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. You're like the nicest guy ever. So this has been wonderful. My guests today have been the director, Brian Baldwin, and the co-book writer and composer, Ray Hosey, whose new show, Finding Helena, is playing July 30th at 2.30 and 6.30 p.m. at the Jewish Community Center in San Antonio, Texas. This before it comes up here to New York, so make sure you check this out if you're in the San Antonio area, or it's a great time to visit Texas and take a vacation, just saying. Tickets and more information are available at FindingHelenaMusical.com. We have gotten on the ground floor of this great new show. We hope that you'll also join us in supporting this great new story, this great new work, and check out their show, Finding Helena. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. 
Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.